Friends, it's great to be here this evening and to join together. I'd like to thank Colin for the opportunity uh, to speak tonight to open God's word. And as we do that, uh, let's pray and ask God for his help. Father, we praise you and thank you for this opportunity to be together, to draw near uh, to hear your word. We pray, Father, that you would speak to us. We pray that you would show us your glory. We pray that you would help us to obey at your commands. And we pray this for the glory of Jesus. Amen. The wall was right behind our back garden. We went to bed as usual and got woken up by our mum at some stage of the night. The first thing I noticed was loud cheering. I got up to look out the window and just saw people running past, jumping up and down and crying and laughing. It was an amazing event to have witnessed. And I still can't believe this happened right outside of our house. I will never forget that night. Another person said this of that same night. With tears streaming down his face, he kept saying in English and in German, I never thought I would live to see this. What are they talking about? What are they remembering? The fall of the Berlin Wall on the 9th of November 1989. For almost 30 years the wall had stood 87 miles long, over 12 feet high and over 4 feet wide. Dividing Berlin between east and west, between communist And capitalist. Then one night, the wall came down. The border disappeared, and shortly after, Germany was reunited. The wall that had divided Germans for so long was gone. Those images of the East Germans with all sorts of uh, tools. Chipping away at the wall, taking home souvenirs came to mind as I read the passage from Ephesians that Colin has just read for us. And it might be useful if you open at the Pew Bible in front of you, page 1174. I thought of the the Berlin Wall uh, as um, Paul writes about the dividing wall of hostility being destroyed people long divided coming together a wonderful celebration of peace but as Paul writes these words he's not thinking about the fall of the Berlin Wall as important as that was in European history he's thinking of something even more significant even more important which affects each one of us directly. 
You see, as we gather here tonight, we can be part of the action. We can benefit from the wall coming down. We can experience that peace which is mentioned. All through this week, we're asking the question, what did the cross achieve? Last night, we thought about reconciliation. How God took the initiative to bring us back from our self, uh, our, sorry, our self-imposed separation. To call us into relationship with himself. It's only possible because Jesus was forsaken on the cross. We can be reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. But as Jimmy Cricket would say, come here, there's more. You see, sin doesn't just bring separation from God. It also brings separation from one another. Just think of the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... When God comes and asks what happened, Adam blames Eve, Eve blames the serpent, and the serpent didn't have a leg to stand on. You see, Adam says to God, the woman that you put here, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate it. It's not my fault. It's her fault. Or maybe even it's your fault, God, for putting her here in the first place. And ever since that day when they were kicked out of Eden and separated from God, people have also been separated from each other. The selfishness of sin runs deep. Every man for himself. So that one of Adam and Eve's sons killed his brother. And so it continues right to this day. You only have to watch the news to see this being played out. Division, war, hostility, fear, terrorism. Ask the people of Brussels today about fear, about division. Each of us is separated from everyone else. It's as if we put up walls around ourselves and around those who belong to us. Will it ever change? Could it ever change? Could we really experience peace? Paul goes to the greatest division in his day. And uses it as a case study of what the cross of Jesus has achieved. And he says if the cross has made a difference here. Then it can transform any situation. Just think for a moment of the ways in which we divide people. Men and women. Old and young. English rugby fans and the rest of the world supporting whoever they're playing. 
In a few months' time, people in our country will be divided between in or out of the European Union. But in Paul's day, there was an even bigger divide. Jews and Gentiles. The Jews saw themselves as the chosen people of God. They traced their family tree to Abraham and they followed God's commands. They made sure that they kept themselves separate from everyone else. From those Gentiles, those unclean, impure people. They wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't talk with them. The dividing wall was firmly in place. And the dividing wall wasn't even just in the mind. There was a real dividing wall at the temple in Jerusalem. Gentiles could only go so far. They could only go into the first part of the temple, into the court of the Gentiles. A big wall prevented them from coming further in to the court of the women or at the court of the Israelites or the holy place or the holy of holies. There were signs on the gate warning of immediate death if a Gentile, an unclean person was to venture any further. It was the court of the Gentiles where the trading took place. The stalls uh, which prevented the Gentiles from having any space to pray in the temple. So when Jesus overturns the temple, the, the, the tables, uh, do you remember he says, my house is a house of prayer for all nations. Paul points to that barrier, the dividing wall of hostility in the temple, which separated Jews and Gentiles. Outside the wall were the Gentiles. As Paul says in verse 12, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That wall keeping the Gentiles out had stood for hundreds of years, but it has now fallen. Because of the death of Christ on the cross. Those who were far away have been brought near. That's the reconciliation we thought of last night. But that means that we also have peace with one another. As Paul Paul goes on to say in verse 14. For he himself, that is Christ, is our peace. Who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. The wall dividing Jews and Gentiles has been demolished. The wrecking ball has come. The wall is no more because Jesus has dealt with the hostility by obeying and fulfilling the law perfectly. At home, I have a big box of toys 
and props that are used for school assemblies and for children's talks. Uh, it's not my toy box that I play with at home, I promise you. But when our nieces come to stay, there's one thing that they always, always, always want from the box. Play-Doh. Can we get the Play-Doh out now? And we're about to have our dinner. Can we get the Play-Doh out now? And so eventually I give in and say, okay, we can have the Play-Doh. Now imagine that you have some Play-Doh and you make two people. Two little model people. And I know that this couldn't happen. But imagine that those two Play-Doh people fell out with each other. And they were having a bit of a row and, you know, they were uh, putting you off your own dinner because they were making so much noise. Now imagine that you get those two Play-Doh people and you squish them together into a ball. And from that ball, that lump, you make one new person. The two have become one. You couldn't see the differences in them anymore. You could only see the one new person. Well, that's what Jesus has done. Verse 15. In the middle of it. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Before there were two identities with hostility between them, Jews and Gentiles. Now there is one identity, those who are in Christ. As we come into relationship with God, we also come into relationship with each other. We become part of the one family. You see, the adopted child doesn't just belong to their new mum or dad. They belong to the whole family and relate to their brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and everyone. And for us to call God our Father is to discover that we have hundreds and thousands of brothers and sisters from all sorts of backgrounds and all sorts of nationalities, yet we are one in Christ. Some of you might know that I like to watch rugby. And on a Friday night, I might even be found at the Kingspan Stadium or Ravenhill as it should properly be known think of what happens whenever Ulster are playing thousands of people set off from their different backgrounds and homes and workplaces and they'll come near to the team to cheer and shout and sing They're there for the team. But it's not just them on their own. It's not just me in an empty Kingspan stadium making enough noise to cheer on the 15 players on the pitch. 
I might be loud, but I'm not that loud. But as each individual supporter sets off from their home and comes to Belfast and parks and walks into the stadium, as, as each individual draws near to the team, they're also drawn closer to all the other fans. So that I have my niece on one side and some big fella from Belfast on my other side, shoulder to shoulder, jam-packed in. You get to know people very quickly whenever you're standing or sitting beside them. You see, we, we come for the team, for what's happening on the pitch. But we're also drawn closer to one another as well. To be reconciled to God is also to be reconciled to one another. To have peace with God is also to be to to have peace with one another in the body of Christ. Just think how amazing it would be to have your name in the Bible. Now, I don't mean, you know, writing your name on the inside front cover. But to be mentioned in the Bible. To have your name in the Bible. How cool would that be? But there are two women who used to live in Philippi who might not think the same. You see, they were both Christians, but they weren't getting on. And when Paul wrote his letter to the church in Philippi, he singles them out. He mentions them by name. So imagine coming along to church that day. And there's great excitement. The Apostle Paul has written to your church. And so there's a hush as everyone listens to hear what is said. And suddenly you hear your name being read out. So what did Paul say about these two ladies? He said this. I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. In the Lord, in Christ, agree with one another. Get on together. Be reconciled because you're sisters. Be reconciled because you're brothers. Be at peace with one another. Now perhaps... As I mention that, the name or the face of someone has popped into your head. And you think, really? Even them? Do I really have to get on with them? After what they did to me? Or after what they said to me. 
Really? Yes. In Christ we need to be at peace. It's what we pray probably every day. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do we mean it? Are we living out the peace that Christ has obtained for us? Are we recognizing that just as the Lord has loved and saved and forgiven us, he has loved and saved and forgiven them as well? Can we do the same? And we recognize that in Christ, they too are forgiven. Paul gives us a picture of the purpose of this peace. Here's the reason why Christ died, why Christ took away the dividing wall of hostility. He's building a new temple. Not built with stones and keep out signs, but a new temple made up of his people. A dwelling place for God built on Christ the chief cornerstone. We're drawn to God and drawn to one another to be joined. To one another for all eternity. Being one in Christ. People from all sorts of backgrounds. And nations. And religious roots. But all trusting in Christ. And his precious death. Precious death which brings us peace with God first of all. But also peace with one another. Paul writes, Christ is our peace. Will we embrace that peace and share it with others? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have done all that is necessary to bring us to yourself. We thank you that you have given Christ to redeem for himself a people zealous for good works. We thank you, Lord, that as we trust in Christ, We are drawn to be a part of your people. Lord, we bring to you our struggles, 
We bring to you those people in the body of Christ that we may find difficult. And we ask, Lord, for the grace that you have given to us so that we may show it and share it with those around us, with our brothers and sisters. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.